0: Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church, real people experiencing real change because of a real Savior. Amen. Good truth. Good truth. I love places of grace and words of truth. Father God, I pray that would be true of us today and every day. We would be full of grace and truth. I don't know if I am just noticing it uh, as I get older, but it it feels like particularly in the last eighteen months or so, there's been a lot of discussion about what a Christian We'll put Christian in air quotes for just a second. What a Christian does and says and thinks. How a Christian votes. A lot of discussion about trying to define this category of people called Christian. And part of why we want to be able to define it as a category, I mean, I think there's a number of reasons. One of them is it is most convenient for any sort of narrative for a category to be easily defined. It's, it's most convenient for uh, news networks, for politicians who want to try to reach out to a specific group of people or talk about a specific group of people. And, and so we've been sort of trying to define it as the, at this 30,000-foot level, just real big, so kind of painting really broad strokes on this group of people who would identify or be identified as Christian. But then we're trying to figure out How exactly do we identify that group of people so that it works for us as as a narrative? And so we can do that one of two ways. Either we look at somebody who defines themselves as a Christian and says, well, they do and say and think and vote in this way. That must be how Christians do it. And if we find enough other people who who do it that way, we go, okay, Christians do, do this thing. Or we can go the other way and say, well, these actions and emotions and thoughts and votes we have determined that this is christian so everybody who does this gets defined as a christian and we're trying to put one definition on this whole group of people meanwhile the american christians are as divided as we have ever been and we don't all fit under those labels and i i think part of it at least is that there are categories that you can probably define that way. You start with a person or a small group of people, and you see what they do and go, okay, there's a category. Or you take a a set of uh, actions and and thoughts and feelings and votes, and you go, okay, we can make a category out of this. But how you name that category is significantly important. And so if we're going to uh, name a category Christian, And we're going to do it based off of people or their emotions and actions. What is significantly missing from that category of Christian? The Christ part. (laughs) Like if we break down this word, it's not a particularly complicated word. Uh, The main part of the word is Christ. So if we're going to define this category, that has to be in there somewhere. Okay, so Jesus... When, when we say, if, if I am to say I am a Christian, that's going to have to mean something about my connection to relationship with Jesus. And then there's this little ending, this I-A-N at the end in English. In Greek, there's a couple more letters, but the ending has the same meaning. And I know in uh, the last 50 to 100 years, um, it's become really popular to say that that, ending means little, so a Christian is a little Christ, and I'm not quite sure where that started. I I can't track it back. It's just, it's not quite accurate. That little ending in the Greek means to belong to, and specifically to belong to the household of. So a contemporary of Jesus example is the Herodians would be to belong to the household of Herod, And when we think of households, we typically think of families because that's what's in a household in, in our context. And it might have meant family in some cases, but most of the time it meant the employees or servants or slaves of the household. You literally belong to this person and their household. So when we say we are Christians we are saying we belong to Jesus. So one way that we could define a Christian, this is the first note in your notes, you like following along that way, is to say that a Christian is someone who belongs to Jesus. A Christian is a person who belongs to Jesus. Now, this would be really scary if uh, we felt like, uh, well, if Jesus was uh, really power hungry, was uh, abusive in some way, was corrupt in some way. To belong to somebody of that nature would be a really scary thing. And there's, there's a reason that we kind of buck against that belonging word. And we've seen the church be this through the centuries. This isn't a new problem, although it's, it's a topic of today, that things like abuse and corruption and being power hungry, and the, those things have sometimes marked the church. But these are not the things of Jesus. That's not who Jesus is. Jesus is good and is loving and is humble and gives of himself. And when we discover that, and we discover that he's offering us forgiveness and welcoming us into relationship, we say, Jesus, I want to give you my life. And so for everybody who has given their life over to Jesus, we say then, in that sense, I belong to Christ I belong to Christ which means that whatever is of the household of Jesus needs to be of me right so so whatever identity is of Jesus that now becomes an identity that I need to be stepping into. Whatever character is of Jesus, whatever actions are of Jesus, those need to be things that I am also about. I step into this identity and into this character because I am of Jesus. That for every one of us who said, I'm a Christian, I belong to Jesus, we step into that identity and character. Now, for a number of years now, I have struggled with this word Christian because it just seems like it comes with a lot of baggage in our society. And so I've said things like, well, I'm, I'm a Jesus follower and I'm okay with that, but there's a difference between following somebody, between kind of standing at a distance and watching them do their thing, Uh, to ascribing yourself to their philosophy. There's a difference between those things and saying, I belong to, belong to Jesus. And I am stepping into everything that Jesus is about. So if we're gonna step into the identity and character and actions of Jesus to say these are things of the household of Jesus, so I'm gonna be about this stuff, well, then we need to know what that stuff is. And so we do that by studying Jesus. We, we become a student of, of Jesus. Another word for student is disciple. We become a disciple of Jesus. So a Christian is one who belongs to Jesus and who is a student of, a disciple of Jesus. That We get to know him and his identity. We get to know him and his character. We get to know him and his promises. We get to see how he went about blessing the people around him and engaging with the world around him. And then we step into those things. And as we do, we get to know God. We talked last week about how Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, that whatever Jesus did and said, these are things that God does and says. And so we get to know God through Jesus and his motivation and his heart. And and we get to be invited into a relationship with God And like any really good, healthy relationship, really any intimate relationship you can even think of with another person, a really good friend, or especially somebody that you uh, trust, uh, a mentor that you've invited in to speak into your life, those relationships shape us and our character and our actions and our perspective And so as we say, I belong to Jesus, and I'm going to study, and I'm going to get to know, and I'm going to step into this relationship with God. Jesus was so close. And we talked about the complicated theology of the Trinity last week. Jesus is one with God, and I'm invited into that because I belong to Jesus. And so I step into this intimate relationship with God, and I say, because I belong to you, I want you to shape me. I want you to speak into my life. I, I want my character and my perspective and my attitude, adjusted by you. And so we step into this relationship with God, studying Jesus, watching what he does, going, God, I want to belong to this household. I want my identity and actions, my perspective, my impact to be like this, to be formed in this relationship with you. And we talk a lot around here about a really early church starter, a church planter, named Paul, who went around his region really soon after Jesus' death and resurrection from the dead and said, hey y'all, this is a story you've got to hear. So this guy said that he was God, I know, crazy, said he was gonna die, did it, okay, and then said he was gonna rise from the dead and did that too, and this changes everything. And he gathered people who went, that story is amazing, I wanna be a part of it. He said, good, you should belong to the household of Jesus. And he gathered these people together to belong to Jesus together in community, and he called them churches. And they started these these gatherings, these churches, and then he would go to the next town and, and start another one. And we talk about him a lot because he would then write letters to the churches that he started and to their leadership and to people he was mentoring and speaking into and forming and saying, here's what it means to belong to Jesus. And we have some of those letters preserved for us in the New Testament of Scripture, which is why we end up talking about him a lot, because we want to check out these words of wisdom. And in a number of different times, he talks about, in these letters, what it means to belong to Jesus. And I want to look at one of those passages this morning. This is from his letter to the church in Ephesus. So we now call it Ephesians. And we're going to be in chapter 5, what we have since identified as chapter 5, of this letter to the Ephesians. He says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. What a daunting task that we imitate God. But you see the identity words in here, even that we step into the identity of belonging to Jesus, that Jesus is the son of God. And Paul says, imitate God, imitate God in in everything you do because you have that identity of belonging to Jesus. You are a child of God. He continues, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And there's the character part, the character of Christ, that he says, you should follow this example. You should be about these things. Christ's character was rooted in and expressed through love and sacrifice. And this isn't just in this passage, this is throughout the New Testament as the church is forming and talking about and learning what it means to belong to Jesus. These words are attached to Jesus over and over that he is rooted in and and he expresses his character through love and sacrifice. And his belonging to God, this God of love, drove him to love. And this love drove him to sacrifice, to give him himself so that others might know this love. And Paul says, you should be about these things. He says, be imitators of God. So we get to know God personally. We step into this relationship that we have through Jesus. We step into this relationship. We get to know God personally so that we know his motivations and heart his actions so that we can imitate him. We let him shape our character and then we express that character through love and sacrifice just as Jesus did. But what does that mean? What are the consequences of that? What is a life rooted in and expressed through love and sacrifice going to look like? Well, Paul goes on to list a few things and he kind of lists them in the negative. Like, well, it's not these things. And I wanna look at this list that he takes us through. Now, this is by no means an exhaustive list. There's far more to following Jesus than the things we're gonna talk about this morning, although we're gonna cover some big ones. And I think this is why that idea of, we each say, I belong to Jesus, I belong to the household of Jesus, and I am a student of Jesus, we, we don't say I belong to primarily a church or I belong to a pastor or I belong to this YouTube channel that I watch occasionally that helps me grow in Christ, but I belong to Jesus. And for all of us who said, I give my life to Jesus, we're saying I belong to him. And there's so many good promises in that. There's so much relationship and forgiveness and grace offered in that. And there's so much good truth to learn in that. And we are each responsible for being a student of Jesus, not just what a pastor says or what one passage of scripture says or what somebody else who belongs to Jesus has told us. It means we're studying Jesus now, if there are things in the lives of people around you, and I hope there are, I hope there's something in my life that you can look at and go, I, I like that example because it matches up with the example of Christ, right? That that's, that's what we want to be about. We want to be about being in community where we can point each other toward what it means to belong to Jesus. And we each need to be students on our own, studying Jesus's life and what it means to belong to his household. So we're gonna look at just part of that this morning and please dig in to more other ways you can study Jesus and who he is. So Paul launches into it in the very next verse, in verse three of Ephesians five. He says, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, Or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Great, we're gonna get to sexual immorality right off the top. Okay, here we go. This is the thing. Well, really, I think there's like two things, it seems, that the church is primarily known for. One, we love to hammer on this topic of sexual immorality and tell people how wrong they are, and we're against swearing. Like, those are the two things that we're known for, and yes, we will get to the swearing part in just a second. Even if we wanted to build our whole platform on just this one verse— Even if we wanted to build a whole platform on just this one verse and decide that sexual immorality was going to be one of the things that we just hammer on over and over and over again, even in this one verse, there's three things. (laughs) And while the church may be known in our society for really emphasizing purity culture and and being anti sexuality or or just hammering down on the sexual immorality piece, even in this one verse, there's three things sexual immorality. Impurity and greed. And impurity is not just what you did or did not do before you got married. Impurity is a condition of the heart that does not change when you say I do. Purity is about what God is doing in each and every heart. And we have boiled it down to fit it under the sexual immorality category to make it simpler for us. And then greed... I somewhat cynically wonder if we like hammering on sexual immorality because to talk about greed would hold up a mirror to us that we wouldn't like nearly as much. And so we hammer on the ones that we believe create a clear distinction between me being in and other people being out. And, and we, we say, that, well, there's no place in God's people. <laughs> And so one of two things happens. Either the church people say, you, person, who stumbled in sexual immorality, you have no place here. Or what I have watched for years in youth ministry is young people, young adults saying, well, actually, I kind of like leaning into these three things, so I'm going to do that, and I'll just walk away from God's people. Yes. These sins have no place in God's people. So we need to actually deal with them and to try to hide them and pretend they're not going on and to pretend that we don't have to deal with them and I can just hide it in my life and nobody has to know and I'll just keep it buried will not work. Will not work. And I, I don't want to make light of, these, of any of these three things. My life is a story of a life darkened by these three things, of years of being stuck in sexual immorality and and impurity and in greed of looking out for myself and trying to make sure that I'm protected and and trying to make sure that, that I take care of me no matter what that means. And most of that is past but my present will probably always have that shadow kind of lingering over here that I need to be aware of and deal with and proactive about. And the only way that I know how to deal with these things is through confession. And no, I'm not gonna make us through, go through a big group public confession. So if you just freaked out, I promise not doing that. But we actually need to confess these things to God and to somebody else. We need to have somebody else that we're talking to, some other person who belongs to Jesus that says, hey, I am trying to belong to the household of Jesus and this thing is getting in the way and I need some help. Now, I don't know about you, but I have found in my life that I'm actually more comfortable (laughs) confessing my darkness to a holy, perfect powerful God that I am to another broken Jesus following Jesus belonging human being somehow talking to God about it I don't know if I trust his grace more or what but that seems less scary holy perfect thundering God than another human being but we have to do both We have to do both because we have to go to God and say, God, I want to belong to Jesus and this thing is in the way and I can't do it and I need your help and I need your grace and I need you. I need you to shape me. And we need to go to another person, another Jesus belonging person and say, I need help. Would you hold me accountable? Would you walk through this with me? And And I know it says that it has no place in God's people. And again, that's true, and we need to deal with it. But when our first knee-jerk reaction is to condemn somebody for any one of these three things, we make it look like we have no desire to help and no desire to extend grace. And part of belonging to Jesus and belonging to the character and actions of Jesus is Jesus stepped into our mess with grace. Grace. And we have this picture in our heads of this pile of sin in front of us, however small or big you think yours may be, and kind of hollering at God over on the other side, hey God, I could really, I could really use your help with this. I, I, I could really use your forgiveness. And I am so grateful for the way I've been blessed by a, a picture that a speaker and author named John Lynch gives. <laughs> of Jesus not on the other side of my pile of mess, but next to me with his arm around me saying, whoa, that's a big pile of mess. (laughs) Let's deal with it. Let's dig in. And part of belonging to the people of Jesus, to the household of Jesus, part of belonging to Christ is to step into that characteristic. Not that we can forgive their sins for them, but to put our arm around somebody and say, yeah, (laughs) that's a pile of mess. Let's work on it together. Let's work on it with Jesus. That we actually step into helping one another and extending grace to one another. That our actions and our attitudes lead with love and sacrifice, just like Jesus. Now, one or two or three characteristics is not all there is to following Jesus. And Paul Continues, he just keeps right on going. Verse four obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Occasionally, I find myself in conversations while, you know, maybe waiting in line uh, at Starbucks, waiting for the, the drink to come out, or, or at the grocery store. You know, you're at some event that. You and somebody you don't know both know the person hosting it. And so you kind of talk in and, uh, and, and I kind of like to hang out on the sidelines of stuff. So other people who like to hang out on the sidelines and be awkward like me, we kind of have awkward conversations and it kind of works. And, and I don't know how this works for uh, women as you guys talk to one another. But with guys, it's always one of the like first two questions. What do you do? Some question about job, what do you do for a living, whatever. And, and so I say... Um, a pastor, and that is one of the fastest conversation stoppers you've ever heard of. And I, I typically, there's a range of reactions, but I typically get one of three. One is, oh, where? And that person normally follows up my where with, oh, yeah, I go to such and such church, and, and it's sort of this, hey, we're in the kingdom together thing. The second reaction is, oh, And that's sort of the end of that conversation uh, when I move on to being awkward with somebody else. Uh, And um, the third one, which feels like I actually get it the most often, I don't know if this is true or not. The one I think I get the most often is, oh, sorry about the swearing. Because a second ago, they were quite happy to be dropping F-bombs and whatever else in our conversation as they described things to me. Uh, And it's not like I flinched when they did it. It wasn't until I said, oh, I'm a pastor, that they were... They went, oh, so, sorry about that. Like somehow that's the biggest thing I care about. Like not that I care about them or how their soul is doing, but I care that they were just swearing at me and uh, somehow I'm judging them or offended. I don't, I don't know why that is the go-to apology, but it feels like it is. Which with that experience and my experience in, in church, growing up in church and whatever, leads me to believe that this issue of language and swearing and coarse jokes and all this stuff, this is an issue that non-Christians feel like we care a lot about, and Christians spend a lot of time making excuses for. where the world looks at go, "Oh, yep, I, I know church people like don't mess up sexually and don't swear. Like that's what they care about. And we spend a lot of time going, oh, but it wasn't that bad. Like, it was funny. Everybody laughed. What's the big deal? And besides, nobody got hurt. That standard of nobody got hurt, that is the predominant standard of morality in our world today. That as long as nobody got hurt, it's fine. Now, that's particularly hard to build a morality off of because that line keeps moving because anybody can say they got hurt and now you've somehow messed up, whereas if they hadn't gotten hurt, you haven't messed up. But that's what our morality is based off. It just don't hurt anybody. And as long as you're not hurting anybody, it's fine. It's fine. So when we find ourselves saying for any reason, for any activity, well, but nobody got hurt that should at least raise a little flag of awareness in our minds and hearts that we are determining our character based on the world's standards because nobody got hurt is not our standard. Our standard is Christ. That's the household we belong to. We are not nobody got hurtians, right? Christians, our standard is Christ. And we're stepping into that identity and that character. And this isn't about whatever a Christian's reputation may be. This isn't about uh, prudeness or rigidity. It's about honoring God and honoring people. And in this verse, we are given a clear alternative. Paul lists these things, sexual immorality and impurity and greed and coarse jokes and obscene talk and all these things. He says, instead, instead of that, let me give you a different option of stepping into the actions and character of Christ. He said, be thankful. Thankfulness becomes part of our character in Jesus. So as we're trying to step into a character, that identity of Jesus, Paul says, thankfulness. Be thankful. We display the character and the identity of Christ by thanking God for what he has done, by thanking others for what they've done, by being grateful for the opportunities we have in our lives. Now, just to reinforce that these things Paul has been telling us not to do are a big deal, he he continues. One one more here. Verse 5 He says, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. I'm so glad. Paul is just gentle and easy on this. And so, just kidding. Um, So here's the thing about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the beauty of the life of Jesus breaking through in our world. It is the true reality of what is going on in heaven. When Jesus taught us to pray, Father, would it be done on earth as it is in heaven? He's talking about the kingdom of God, kingdom of Christ breaking through in our world. And so where there are people who belong to Jesus and they step into that identity and character and the actions of the kingdom of God, of the household of Christ, the kingdom of God is alive and breaking through the world around us. And so yes, when we choose these things, We are not stepping into creating or inheriting the kingdom of God, inheriting the identity of the household that we belong to. We're not inheriting the character of the household we belong to because we've chosen to step out of belonging to Jesus and say, I'm going to go do this thing over here. Paul says, the kingdom of God. I mean, guys, this is is the beauty of the love and the joy and the peace of Jesus Entering into our world, don't miss out because you're too busy trying to figure out what you can get away with to step into belonging to Jesus and being a part of the things that he is a part of and about. I I think there's an alternative here that isn't listed, but I think the opposite of all these things that Paul lists. So I wanna give us this word, and the word is generosity. The part of stepping into the character of Christ is about being about what you can give away. That rather than the greed and the hoarding and, and the trying to make sure you get taken care of in all of these different ways, that we're generous generous with our funds, generous with our time, generous with uh, ourselves in our gifting in whatever way we can be. Not reaching for what isn't ours to reach for, but choosing to give others what is good for them. And I don't mean this in a like, be a doormat, be abused and, and hurt and walked all over, generosity is an intentional, proactive choice to do good for another person with what you have. That rather than trying to figure out what you can get from them, you're trying to figure out what you can give to them. Generosity. And it marks, the, it's part of that love and sacrifice of Jesus. Now it is true that you could uh, do this just to be liked by other people. Like if if you don't belong to uh, the the household of Jesus, you would not say you're a Christian, I would recommend doing these things anyway. Like being thankful and generous will make you a well-liked person. Everybody likes a thankful, generous person. So we could do this just to be liked. But as those who belong to Jesus, we are doing these things because that is the example that Jesus gives us. And we're stepping into who he is, his identity and character one of my favorite word pictures in scripture is the contrast of light and darkness this picture just works for me i i think of like if we turned out well it's probably too light outside right now but if we got into an actual really dark space and you light a candle there's this moment when you watch the lights and it happens so fast but you watch the light spread into the room right and it just pushes back the darkness and so when the Bible says that the light has come in Jesus and the darkness cannot overcome it, I just I picture that, the light pushing out against the darkness. And Paul says that we're to be light as Jesus was. In verse six, he says, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light From the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. So carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness, instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. This is part of why when we talk about these things that we try to hide and shove away and say, well, as long as it's not hurting anybody, I'll be fine, and nobody needs to deal with these things. I'm telling you, the light eventually shines on them. And as you step into the light of Christ, he will graciously, gently, forcefully shine the light on these things to uproot them from your life because they have no place in a person who belongs to Jesus. And I and tell you from personal experience, it is better <laughs> to, to tell somebody and bring that thing into the light than to just wait around for the light to shine on it. So if, if you're sitting here feeling like, yeah, I know I've got this thing that I need to talk to somebody about. First of all, church, let's be a place of grace where people feel free to do that. that it is safe to do that here. Not permission, not saying, oh yeah, no, no, don't worry about it, you're totally fine. But say, yeah, that's hard. Let me put your, my arm around you and let's walk through this together with Jesus. But if, if you're sitting there going, I don't know who to talk to. Feel free to reach out to me or Jesse or Sky or somebody that, that you say, well, they're, they're from the church and they're paid to be nice to me or something. I don't know. Whatever you have to convince yourself so that you can reach out and say, hey, I got this thing and I wanna work on it. Uh, we would love to metaphorically, if you don't like touching, metaphorically put our arm around you and walk through it with you and extend grace in the same way that Jesus has extended grace to us. But I love that this says that this is a light that Christ has given us. It says, Christ will give you this light. We are called to be a light in the darkness. We're called to, to say, yeah, that's wrong. We're called to extend grace. We're called to highlight the beautiful things going on in the world around us. We're called to tell people about the hope we find in Jesus, Now, in that scenario uh, that I was mentioning earlier where I'm talking to somebody and, and they apologize for the swearing, and I, I hate that moment. And part of why I hate that moment is because I feel like I have somehow now been separated from or set aside or there's some sort of spotlight on me, like, hey, look at the pastor guy. And, and I, I hate that moment so much because, like most of us, I'd really rather fit in with whatever is going on around me Uh, And that's difficult enough uh, for me. I don't need like extra spotlights shining on it. And so it's very tempting for me, and I think I'm not alone in this, in those kind of moments to go, oh, no, 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 like it's not that much light. Like I'm not, I'm not that bright. There's not like that much light of Christ going on over here. Like, look, I can, I slap a little darkness on me. I can fit in. I can be one of you. Like we can fit. We can still talk. This is going to be great. And somewhere along the line, in the way church developed in our region of the world, we got the idea, or a big chunk of people got the idea, that the way we were going to reach people for Jesus was by looking and acting, acting and talking just like them. And we said, "Well, if we can just fit in and look and act and talk like them, then we can go surprise. Let's talk about Jesus." And that's how we were going to do this thing. And and when that didn't work real well, uh, as pendulums do, it swung the other way, and, and we had a. Some people go, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We need to shine the light of Jesus. So like, whoa, look how bright I am. Look at the light of Jesus that I'm shining in this place. And either way, whether it's, look, 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 I can fit in, or look how bright I can be. Who are we asking them to look at? Us. And we belong to the household of Jesus, And we are supposed to be inviting people to his hope and his peace and relationship with him and to experience the forgiveness and love that he has for them. We shine the light of Christ into the darkness, being an intentional light, shining into dark places with the light that Christ gives us. And then Paul wraps up some of these thoughts Uh, The book of Ephesians continues, but he wraps up some of these thoughts in the next few verses. He says, so, with all this in mind, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So we're not just gonna go through the motions and hope that everything works out Character is something that grows intentionally based on intentional choices. Light. Light is most effective when you can use it for exactly what you want to use it for. Have you ever seen a flashlight that can get really broad light? But then if you're looking for something small and specific in the dark, you want that, you want that light to really shine down bright. Light works better when it's concentrated and focused and intentional. Opportunities are seized intentionally. People are loved intentionally, one loving choice at a time. That there isn't just a thoughtlessness to this, but quite the opposite. We are, as we step into the character and identity of Jesus, called to be thoughtful people. Thoughtfulness is part of what Jesus has done and what we are called to. Now again, thankfulness and generosity, light in the darkness, thoughtfulness, These are not incredibly radical ideas and it is not a super complete list. There's there's more to know and find out. These are just some of the things that we're asked to grow into as we look to Jesus as our example. So as we look to take these truths into our week, I wanna look again at a verse I just read to kind of wrap things up here. It's verse 16. It says, make the most of every opportunity In these evil days, make the most of every opportunity. So, as you look to live into this character, these things that Jesus is calling us to be, that God is forming in us, our mindset, our attitude, our perspective have to be of Jesus, have to belong to Him. So, make the most of every opportunity opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity you have to demonstrate love and sacrifice. These are the things that Jesus was rooted in, and that he expressed his character and his love through, love and and sacrifice. We're called to be people who seize those opportunities. Now, this world may feel like a really dark place for you right now. I, I was... Uh, Around a small group of pastors from our region this week. And one of them was talking about how his adult son came up to him and said, hey, dad, you've gotten really dark. And he said, you know what? He was right. I gotten so fixated on the darkness. The world felt like it was closing in on me. Things are happening around me that I don't want to have happen and I don't know how to stop it. And I got so sucked into the news and the fear and the feeling that that the world was not going to be for my kids and grandkids what it was for me growing up. And I just, I hate it. And and I got sucked into the dark. I get how that happens. I get that it may feel like the world is kind of closing in on you. So, Is that darkness something you want to fixate on? Is the bitterness that it creates marking your life or is there an opportunity there to shine the light of Christ? Is the darkness around you a hindrance to you, Is the darkness in the character of the people around you just a hindrance to you? Or is there an opportunity to shine the light of Christ, to lead with love and sacrifice? If you are somebody who has said, "I belong to Jesus, I am part of this household of Christ, this movement that Jesus has started. I promise you, God is going to give you the opportunity to follow Christ's example. Now, we may not like those opportunities very much, but I promise you, he's going to give them to you. So this week and every week, make the most of every opportunity to shine the light of Christ. So as we head out to do that, as the worship team comes up to lead us in another song, I want to pray for us. Father God, we know that we need your help to do this. It says that the light comes from you. God, in in ways, whatever ways, we're trying to generate the light, that we're trying to determine what is true based on what works out for us. God, would you correct us? Would you extend your grace to us? And would you give us light to shine in the darkness? Would you protect us from bitterness, protect us from getting fixated on it? Would you give us eyes to see the opportunity? Would you open our hearts and minds as you form our character and give us eyes to see the opportunity to love, to sacrifice, to shine a light for the people around us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for checking out our podcast. Find out more or connect online at easthillsalliance.org.